Welcome to Notorious Women Podcast. I'm Lavetta. And I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. I am so excited about today. I know, though, that you go first this week. Do I? So, okay. yes. Yeah. So, who are you? What woman, what notorious woman do you have what to tell me about today? What? Um, what? Did you take Shakespeare class? What? Oh, yes. When? Where? Where? Why? I. <laughs> well, who? Just kidding. <laughs> Actors are such freaking hams we're we very obnoxious it. it's true we can't help it <laughs> i know i know it's a problem <laughs> but that's what makes us good at this this podcast you know right right it's just in real life we're intolerable but <laughs> <laughs> you said that i did not actors we love you if you're listening to this <laughs> we love actors we are actors we can't really hate ourselves so <laughs> that's right some of some of us are problematic as fuck but. listen it's a fact but i that because of that i was like i will not be marrying an actor and then i met my husband and i was like oh and it was like what it was like he's an actor i don't yeah. know there's a couple of them i wouldn't mind marrying i'm just you know or mm -hmm. taking them for a test run <laughs> <laughs> well you know you need to know before you buy the car exactly you gotta fair. take it out for a test drive baby okay, okay. <laughs> going down a few streets you know but only the streets you're comfortable driving. You know what I'm saying? Of course. I, of course. I should I should stop talking about this. Because yes. um, okay. you're a married lady. I'm a married lady. A happily right. married lady. That's right. Exactly. But I'm not I'm not dead, right? No. I like I still have eyes. Right. Of course. You can right. admire, you know? You know, appreciate. Exactly. Appreciate. I saw did you see the new Little Mermaid? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I will say I'm not big yeah. on these live action. Like, what, what, I like the animated ones. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But, oh, what's her name? Hallie. I forgot her last name. Is Haley so, ba ha Haley, Haley Bailey. Is it Haley Bailey or Hallie Bailey? No, maybe it's ha no. It's Hallie Bailey. I think it's Hallie Bailey. But because I her, mess she it said, up. well, she said her mother's gonna name her after Halle Berry. Obviously, but oh, that's cute. But it's Bailey. So they thought it was too right. similar, so they changed it to um, Allie Bailey. Yeah. Um, listen, she's she is incredible. I think I thought she was I've incredible. I've heard, and I do love her. You know, she's a protege of Beyonce, her and her sister. So that very much tracks to me. She's yes. incredible. But like, my point is that the guy who plays the prince, I'm just saying, is like. Oh, mm. oh! You know, I know that guy. Mm. That mm. guy is from a, a film. There's a series of more recent films. I think they're from like 2019, 2018, about Agatha Christie. It's basically fan oh. fiction about Agatha Christie. Okay. Um, there's three of them. I'm gonna watch them all. And what? there's one where you know, because she famously divorced. Um, uh, what is her first husband's name? His last name is Christie. I forget his first. Right. Her, his Mr. First name. Christie. She yeah. famously divorced Mr. Christie. Yeah. yeah. And there's a movie from the 80s with uh, my, my bae forever. Mr. Timothy Dalton playing the husband. Okay. Oh. okay. Young Timothy Dalton yeah, is I remember. fine yeah. as fuck. Anyway. I am, I'm not mad um, at him. Yes. But so it's sort of based on, so she divorced him. Archie, that's his name. Archie uh, Christie. She divorced him or he left her for this other woman and she disappeared. And that's what that whole movie Agatha is, is about from the 80s. But she never really talked about it publicly after what happened and after they found her or whatever. So so one of the films, the more recent films, is about uh, she took a trip to uh, the Middle East to kind of clear her mind. So it's like a fictional oh, okay. Uh, okay. account of what may have happened and she goes on this uh to the middle east and on this archaeological dig and she meets this guy who mm. becomes mm. her second husband okay and this that guy who plays the prince in the little mermaid is plays the young listen guy, and he's just, so adorable mm, he's basically mm -hmm. this young guy who has a crush on this older woman and mm. he's so adorable so mm. yes i know listen, i agree with you. i am a happily married woman <laughs> very happily married i am i just 
you know, like shout out to 16 year old me who would have yeah. had so many posters of that man on my wall. Yeah, he's very cute. He's very dreamy. Very dreamy. Damn. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I would be I like, feel like a dirty old lady when I look at him. No, like, wow. I do too. I'm like, yeah. he's a child, but like, okay. Right. That smile. Yeah. He's very, yeah, very attractive. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. So let's get back on track. All right. Back on track. Who's your notorious so, woman this week? My notorious woman this week is Ruth First. Have oh. you ever heard of her? No. Um. Okay. So she was born on May 4th, 1925. She's Jewish. Her parents emigrated to South Africa from Latvia. And they, as Julius First, her dad, and Matilda Leviton, her mother, became the founding members of the Communist Party of South Africa, which was the forerunner of the South African Communist Party, right? They just moved words around, but it's the same thing. <laughs> um, so she was brought up in Johannesburg. She joined the Communist Party, like her parents, when she, as she got older. So th- the, this was allied with the African National Congress in its struggle to overthrow the South African government. Mm. And that's why they were communists. Okay. Because um, it's not the Russia you think of as communists. Right. It's le- stop being dicks to your people. That's what yeah. they were. Like, yeah. don't be an asshole. Party, right? So she attended uh, as a teenager, I don't know how to pronounce it, Jeppe High School for Girls, J-E-P-P-E. I don't. Mm. Sounds yeah. I, I spelled I, I it. Um, and then became the first person in her family to go to university. She received her bachelor's degree for from the University of Witwatersrand. Witwatersrand. I think I said that correctly. Uh, you said it. I don't know. I did say it. <laughs> Words came out of my mouth. That was a start in 1946. So she was at at university. She found, quote, on a South African campus, the student issues that matter are national issues, uh, end quote. So she was involved in the founding of the Federation of Progressive Students, uh, also known as Progressive Students League, uh, and got to know, among other students, Nelson Mandela, who was the future president of South Africa, and uh, Eduardo Mondlane, who is the first leader of the Mozambique freedom movement called Frelimo. She received, she was very smart. She received first in sociology, anthropology, economic history, and native, native administration. So I just think it's important to note, like all of her activism was, was sort of based in a lot of knowledge. Wow. She, she knew a young Nelson Mandela. Yeah, wow. she did. Right. Wow. So after she graduated, she was first she would became a research assistant for the social welfare division of the Johannesburg City Council. Um, and then her position in the Communist Party in 1946 was boosted significantly after a series of mine strikes during which uh, leading members of the party were arrested. So basically, you know, all of her elders in the party were then in jailed, And then there she was. Head of the party. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, you know, not not the greatest way to rise up in ranks, you know. Right, right. Uh, then she, she became the editor-in-chief of the radical newspaper, The Guardian, which was later, surprise, banned by the state. So through Wait her a minute. Invest- you mean to tell me an yeah. apartheid colonialist government banned... Um. Something that was demanding rights for people? No, yeah, I'm shocked. I, I'm shocked, I, I tell you. <laughs> I'm shocked. Listen, it is shocking because they had that way of life so their people could feel free. And then they could use the word free in almost every sentence. Right. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. It's weird. Yeah, turns out. So through investigative journalism, she exposed the racial segregation policies known as apartheid which you and I know, but maybe not everyone, targeted black South Africans following the rise of the National Party in 1948. So it basically apartheid became law. Mm. 
um, which is bad. Yeah, I'll just say Just it. after uh, there was a second world war about yep. freedom. It's such yep. bullshit. It's so fucked up. I said it. I'll say it again. Um, so in 1949, she married a man named Joe Slovo. I don't know that I'm saying that right. Slavo, Slovo, Slovo, probably. Um, and I I have no idea. It's probably Slovo. Uh, he was a South African anti-apartheid activist and communist. And they had three daughters, Sean, Jillian, and Robin. And together they became a leading force of the 1950s protest era in which the government outlawed any movements that opposed their policies. I know, mm. right? Isn't that weird? Sounds familiar. It sounds like some some people are talking about that right as we speak. Doesn't, doesn't that feel a little too close to home? It sounds like a familiar playbook. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It must yeah. be this one book. People mm -hmm. keep rereading this one book. Yep. Put the book that there's one book I'd like you to put down. Every other <laughs> book should stop being banned. Thank you very much. Okay, so this is interesting. So she she worked with The Guardian and there were other uh, newspapers as well that she worked with. Um, the South, okay. The South African Congress of Democrats, which is called COD, which was a white only wing of the Congress Alliance was founded in 1953 with support from her. Now, hashtag not historians. I'm confused at that. I find that yeah. odd. I don't know if you're fighting, if you're anti-apartheid aggressively, why are you, what, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the only thing that could have worked. I have I no mean, idea. Maybe some of our uh, someone who knows more about South African history can put it into context. But I mean, yeah. she also could just be one of those people like some of the abolitionists in the in the states who were against slavery, but not for equality of black people with white people. I mean, I don't know. It could be, but I'm not. If you look, if you learn about the rest of her life, it doesn't track or maybe uh, um, it was a strategic political thing. That's what that that makes the most sense to me that perhaps okay. you couldn't have any black people at all. There was a law. There was no way of bringing them in. And so they said, OK, fine, we will create a wing that fights for their rights, but we won't have. Black people so we can stay in. Co I have no idea. I don't know. I'm making shit mm. up. Um. If anyone knows, let us know. Yeah, let us know. I, I we will talk about it again because it's it's, yeah. it's it's fascinating. So, in 1955, she assumed the position of editor of a radical political journal called Fighting Talk. Um, her and her husband were also members of the African National Congress, in addition to the Communist Party. You see why? Like, well, yeah. then, yeah, yeah. I think she's just like everyone who is on our side. I'm going to support. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. Hmm. But that's some, yeah, bullshit. Anyways, I'll go out. I don't know. I don't know. Um, tell. And in the 50s, there were extensive riots that in that she was very much a part of. Um, her, this is, this was funny. I'm going to read this out loud. Her sharp criticism and her impatience with bluster earned her enemies, and she was often feared in political debate. But she wasn't dogmatic, apparently. Um, and apparent uh, as well, there were some issues because I thought of this too. Like, how do you do this and raise three, three people, three small humans? Oh yeah. Um, and there were strains in the family. Um, and her, her daughters eventually grew up to talk about, about what it was like growing up with, with her as a mother. Um, but she, she was devoted to her family. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, so she was one of the defendants in the treason trial of 1956 to 1961, alongside 156 other leading anti-apartheid activists who were key figures in the Congress Alliance. So her early work and writings were largely used as evidence to prove treason on behalf of the Congress Alliance. Hmm. Um, after four years of being harassed by the state, all 156 of them were acquitted of their charges. Wow. Yeah. So uh, my guess is that they didn't have actual 
They couldn't really do anything but harass them. But it still took four years. Four years. It's crazy. Mm. Okay, so the Sharpeville Massacre, which, look it up. It was a very big, it was a poor area um, that there was an uprising and then they, you know, they said, is that he said, she said, but probably what happened was people were arguing against apartheid and then some of the people who were trying to defend the innocent people being affected by the people who were uprising got aggressive mm. and people died. It's bullshit, but um, this there was a state of, of emergency and she was uh, listed as one of the enemies, right? And she was banned. She couldn't attend meetings. She couldn't get her, any of her work published and she couldn't be quoted. Mm. So... I'm not trying to say I think they were peaceful and that the police shot them down because that would be alleged. And I can only allege that of my feelings in this. So she fled to Swaziland with her children. um, And after the emergency was lifted six months later, she came back. She was once again, uh, the, uh, so the guardian that she was working on became new age was same thing though. So she was once again, editor. And then in the following two years, she wrote the book Southwest Africa, which remains the most incisive history of early Namibia. She hmm. also hoped to organize the first broadcasts of radio freedom from a mobile transmitter in Johannesburg. Hmm. Um, she, during the fifties was producing up to 15 stories a week. Wow. Um, Which is a lot. Her investigative journalism was the basis of her longer pamphlets and also later her books. So in 1963, during another government crackdown, she was imprisoned and held in isolation without charge for 117 days under the 90-day detention law. She was the first white woman to be detained under this law. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know they were mad at her. <laughs> you know? They were They're pissed. like, we hate you so much. It's almost like you're a black person. I mean, <laughs> they Race were... traitor. Yeah. And other very terrible things. Um, I love how she just never gave up. She never gave up hope that things could be better. Mm. I, I, I give her that. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Cause that, you know, that's hard. By the way, like the, how was she detained for 117 days under the 90 90 day? day. Um, they let her go and then immediately arrested her again and held her for another 27 days. What's the math? And then let her go. So in March 1964, she went into exile in London. And there she became active in the British anti apartheid movement. This girl does not give up. She was a research fellow at the University of Manchester in 1972. And between 1973 and 1978, she lectured in development studies at the University of Durham, which was in England. And she also spent time working at universities in Tanzania and in Mozambique. In November 1978, so time passes, she took up the post of director of research at the Center of African Studies, um, in Maputo at the Universidad Eduardo Mondelein. August 17th, 1982, by the order of Craig Williamson, as it came out later, who was a major in the South African police, she was assassinated. No. By opening a parcel bomb that had been sent to the university. So she... Damn. I know, right? Wow, I did not see that coming. I know. When I did the research, neither did I. Um, Oh my God. I mean, she was someone to be feared. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. Um, Bridget O'Loughlin was an anthropologist who worked with her, was in the room where it happened. And so she testified... um, 
to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And that's how they found out. So her close friend, Ronald Siegel, describes her death as, quote, the final act of censorship. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's terrifying. So it's crazy. Right? It's oof. Um, presidents, members of parliament, and ambassadors from 34 countries attended her funeral, which was held in, Mo- in Maputo, Mozambique. So during the Truth and Reconciliation Commission proceedings and Craig Williamson's amnesty hearings, he denied being aware that the bomb was to be sent to her. And so he was given amnesty. And the family appealed and lost. So I should retract what I said about that it was his order and say it was allegedly his order. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, depending on where I read what. So right, I'm just right. going to play it safe and say allegedly. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. I, yeah. Someone, someone somewhere thought she was a bad idea. Oh, man. Isn't wow. Awful. That is um, like, you yeah. know, it's also also because like sending somebody a bomb in the mail is just like that. That's everyone's nightmare, right? Like you just go and get your mail or you have a package, especially if it's a package because you're like, ooh, a package. And then you're just like, wow. That's, mm, that's awful. Did it kill anyone else in the, in it, the room? I don't think so. I think it was just her. That's mm. from what I read. Like the other woman, Bridget, was in the room with her and she was fine and was able to. I don't know if she was fine, fine, but yeah, I didn't yeah, get yeah. that she was, you know, forever destroyed somehow. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, they they had it out for her and she wasn't back in South Africa. Mm hmm. Um, her book she wrote called, she wrote a couple of books, but, um, she wrote a book called 117 Days Mm -hmm. and it is the account of her arrest, imprisonment and interrogation by the South African police special branch in 1963. And it was published in 1965. Uh, it provided a detailed, it still provides because you could still get this book account of how she endured, quote, isolation and sensory deprivation while withstanding, quote, pressure to provide information about her comrades to the special branch. Mm. Her daughter, Jillian, published her own memoir, Every Secret Thing, My Family, My Country, in 1997, which is an account of her childhood in South Africa and her relationship, which I have not read this book, but I would, I will read this book. Um. And also about her relationship with her parents. And have you seen this film? Because I saw this film, the film A World Apart from 1988. Um, sounds familiar. World Apart. Let's see. Yes. Who is this, in? The screenplay was written by her daughter, Sean. And it's a biographical story about a young girl, young white girl living in South Africa with anti-apartheid activist parents. Although the family is called Roth. Oh, okay. yeah. No, I've never seen this. I saw this in high school. And little baby activist Miriam was was once again a born. I get reborn every so often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking two things very, very clearly. Oh, my God, that ocean looks so beautiful. I want to go to there. Mm-hmm. And... I cannot believe apartheid is still happening. Fix it. Yeah. That's that yeah. recent history. People don't want to acknowledge. I mean. Oh, Barbara it, Hershey. Oh, wow. Yeah, Barbara Hershey. No, this is crazy. It's also a testament to like when you do fight back and you're in the right still, you have to be, you become a martyr sometimes. Like, Yeah. You know, the fact that they, uh, you know, imprisoned her, uh, you know, exiled her and all this other stuff. And they were just like, yeah, we got to get rid of her. You know, like it also it it also is a little telling as to how powerful she was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they have to get rid of you. But my God, I mean, she. You know, I've never heard of this woman. Really? I mean, it's funny. I was looking I was looking like. 
I was looking for Jewish women that I didn't know much about. And it's funny because I remember this movie very well. I remember finding out it was real. And then I didn't think about it for 30 years and then found her. And I was like, oh, my God, what is her actual story? Wow. Wow. That is so I mean, I'm just I'm like dumbfounded. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. But I remember it like very, and I think I feel this way a lot in a lot of places because in the movie, you know, they show how beautiful South Africa is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always been so amazing to me that the dichotomy between, you know, a, a government that's that's dangerous and awful with like the beauty of the land that they have taken over. Yeah. You know, I felt similarly and, when I went to Bavaria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how beautiful the, the place around and how such ugliness and evilness can be playing out. Yeah. Alongside such beauty. I have a question. When was the, so you said that the, the Williamson guy was, um, he was brought to the reconciliation trials. When were those? See, I'm not really sure. I didn't get, that's a good question. Okay. Um, it was, it was after the fact and I'm, and I'm not, I think someone named him and I think he was, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, the, the family seems to think that he definitely was behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, her family. And her, her family, her family. Okay. Um, and I don't know. I just don't, you know, I don't know. And it, and honestly, like, honestly, I cannot imagine it was one person alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Like. And maybe that is how it was like, well, it's messy just to say this is this one guy. Yeah. Um, no, he's if it was him, he was definitely acting on orders. Exactly. You know, on a exactly. policy that is just terrible when you are. Um, this is what we're trying to avoid here now. Like yeah. when the government is behind the terrorism on their own, you know, citizens. When you have a government of thugs essentially exactly you know and and sometimes you know i've seen it good people get swept up in trying to do terrifying right like you you try and go along to get along you're like oh maybe you know you convince yourself oh maybe it won't be too bad and then it turns out to be worse yeah it's always worse than what you think it's gonna be yeah yeah for real i know it's just it's incredible and that's like where i feel like with with what actually happened, I don't think you're ever going to fully like they tried. There's like, yeah, there's a commission for it. Yeah, exactly. But I think that there's a lot. I think there's a lot higher up that probably happened that will. Never well, yeah, happen. I mean, and then we famously know that Mandela spent 27 years yes. in prison for a political as a yes. political prisoner. And yeah, was let out in what, 90? <gasps> like yesterday. I mean, like, I remember, like, I remember when it happened, when he was, he was let, let out. out. Yeah, and what, 90, he was let out of, let's see, in prison in 62, and let out after 27 years. So math, go! I know. It's 90, isn't it? Then 89. It's eight. It's either eight or nine or ninety. Uh, no, it it happened on February eleventh, nineteen ninety. Wow. Yep. Um. So wow, thank you for sharing that. I've never heard you're of her. Welcome. I just like to repeat great. one quick word: alleged, alleged, alleged. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that. My uh, notorious woman this week is not, uh, she is a different kind of notorious. She's not okay, notorious for go. being an activist and against <laughs> hate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My girl is, my notorious woman this week is Susan Smith. Do you know Susan, Susan Smith is? No. It's the most basic ass name ever. I was going to say she sounds like everybody from the 80s. <laughs> Well, she was let me get into all it. of my elementary school teachers. Okay. You know who this is. When I get into it, you'll be like, oh, I know who this is. Okay. okay. So Susan Smith was born Susan Lee Smith in uh, South Carolina on September 26, 
1970. My birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Oh, this is bad. 1970. What? What? 1971. Okay, gosh, she's older. To, <laughs> okay. To Linda Sue Harrison and Harry Ray Vaughn. Okay. Now, um, so when she was six, and again, she was born Susan uh, Lee Vaughn, and she became Susan Lee Smith. Um, okay. Now, when she was six, her father um, took his own life. Ooh. So it's believed that there may have been some mental health issues there. Um, yeah, fair. You know, obviously there was some pressure. But after that, her mother uh, remarried a man by the name of Beverly Russell. Okay. Uh, because again, this is what, 77? So it's yeah, still that time. Not a yeah. lot of therapy in the 70s, you know. Not a lot of therapy. Not a lot of um, uh, also, I'm thinking of like her mother. She has these children she has to raise and, you know, these are Southern people of a certain ilk and, you know, mother's looking for another man. So she married this man named Beverly Russell and it's believed now that at some point Beverly began molesting Susan. (gasps) I hate her so much. Yeah. She should burn. Or Beverly is the guy. That's his name. Oh, so. I can't. Sorry. That was no, her mother was Sue. No, it's a, her mother was Sue. Yeah. Her daughter was or Susan. Linda Sue. Excuse me. Yeah. Linda Sue. Okay. There's a lot of names. Beverly. Welcome Beverly needs to, the to South. Like he needs to burn, burn yeah. him. And burn again, him. This is alleged. Um, but allegedly burn him. Got it. Yeah. Now, whether it was because of this family history of of mental illness or a combination of both, Susan attempted to take her life at age 13. Oof. Yeah. That's awful. She she attempted to take her life um, a second time after graduating from high school in 1989. um, And and her affair with a married man ended. So she... She obviously, her father died when she was a kid. Her new father figure is abusing her. So obviously she's looking for male validation. Yeah. You know, love, looking for love in all the wrong places as the famous Southern uh, Mm -hmm. country song goes. Um, And so, yeah, she and she was, she was so young and already having an affair with a married man. That is, yeah, that, mm, that's not a good sign of anything. Yeah. Oof. Now, two years later in 1991, however, she married a man by the name of David Smith. Okay. Um, you know, obviously they're very young because what yeah. is she, 20 at this time? Maybe even 19. Uh, yeah. Reportedly, the marriage was not as happy, was not a happy one as infidelity was an issue on both sides. Ooh, so okay. because they're 19, early 20s. Yeah. In a southern small town. Yeah. Now, in fact, the now married Susan at some point, um, a couple years later, she and David were separated. You know, it could have been postpartum depression. It could have been a whole bunch of things because Wait, she had they had baby? two children. Uh, oh, my they had Lord. two boys. Yeah. Okay. Um, now. See how Southern I'm getting right now? Oh, my Lord. Well, so, and this was in 1994. So about three years okay. later after they've been married, they've only been married three years and they already have two kids. That's yeah. so fast. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, now, so in 1994, she was, you know, separated from David and she was having an affair, a torrid affair. All her affairs sound torrid with her <laughs> boss's okay. son. Um, oh, that's by the never name of, a good idea. Oh, no. Well, don't I mean, do that. you know, it's if you can snag a rich man, son, why not? Right. So huh? and the this man was uh, named Tom Findlay. Okay. So Tom was the boss's um, uh, son. Now, some think that she may have also been having an affair with his father, her boss, at some point. Ooh, that's alleged. Uh, okay. But, you know, obviously saying. the one with Tom would be a lot more appropriate, more age appropriate and just appropriate. Well, let me ask you this. If, if she's not married, is she just having a relationship with him? No, or she's married. He... They're just separated. Oh, 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 OK. Got it. They're still married. Yeah. And okay. it's only three years after they've been married. Ooh, OK. All right. I tried. So, okay. yeah. Um, 
so again, the affair was hot and steamy with Tom, but it started to, you know, cool. And, and basically Tom broke up with her. Okay. So basically this woman can't catch a break, right? Right. So, and yeah, so just remember that. Now, Tom basically cooled things off. He wrote her a uh, a letter breaking up with her, basically. Okay. Because uh, it's 1994. I was just going to say that is so 90s. That is 1994 right there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at least he didn't put it on a, a post-it note. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Those who know, know. Mm-hmm. Um because on October 25th, 1994, the then 21, a 22-year-old took a short trip to Walmart. Uh, well, she, she left work. She was a secretary. Okay. Um, you know, a, a, just a working class job. Uh, right. She went to the nursery to pick up her boys. And then she went home. And then she thought, let's go and take a drive out, have to run some errands. So she went to Walmart. And then she thought, oh, I'll take... Uh, go by a friend's house because again she's being rejected by a guy she's in love with she thinks and again her marriage is on the rocks um so it was at this point on the way to the friend's house after leaving walmart she said that she was carjacked okay so frantic she reported to the cops shortly after that she had been carjacked um by a man who drove away with her sons still inside the car oh my god and, okay. But she also added that it wasn't just any man. It was a black man. Oh, this bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Uh oh. Why you she... gotta go there? I know you have problems, but like, Jesus, stop it. Yep. Okay. So she, of course, was upset as well as David when she told him about it. Um, so they were, yeah. they reported it, you know, all, you know, bulletins went out, the public and the news outlets, you know, local news went crazy. We're all like, we told you black men were bad, right? Cause mm, nah, America. Nah. it's not just cause I'm a black woman, but generally speaking, uh-huh. any yeah. carjacker, black or white, other race, whatever, any carjacker. Uh-huh. Who gets in a car, takes the yeah. car, and then looks in the back seat and sees two children. Mm-hmm. Most likely, if it's uh-huh. just a carjacker and not like a child killer or some right. horrible, terrible person, but just a carjacker. Right. It's going to be like, oh, fuck. Never mind. They're going to be <laughs> like, never the mind. The next, right. the next uh, block down is going to be, be like, uh, yeah, I want none of these problems. Not today, Satan. Not today. Right. Okay. Like, I'm just trying to steal a car, paint it, and then sell it. That's what I do. Right. Especially a black man who gets in right. a car, it drives away, it looks at uh-huh. the back seat, you see two little white kids. Uh huh. No, no. In South Carolina. No, they know better. They know better. Okay, so the media, these problems, the media could have taken the information, right? And maybe had some thoughts and opinions beyond look out for that black man who stole that car. You know what I'm saying? Like, look out for the black man who stole uh, two white kids. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So if you can't really tell, I buy Susan's story. Mm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, I can't. Shell TV. Oh, Lord, bring my children back. I, mm. I just think about them all the time. Oh, mm. Jesus. Lord <laughs> Jesus, help me bring my kids back, my boys back. So, of course, news is yeah. eating it up. This is oh, yeah. all over the news. And not one investigative journalist is like, wait a minute. I'm just saying, come on. Well, maybe, maybe not. So, okay. They're taking her on her word. This is a young white woman, right? They She's love like, oh young Lord, white women. my my kids have been taken away from me. Mm. And investigators, you know, obviously everybody was on the search for the kids. Obviously, this is children. The first forty eight yeah. hours is very important. You're like, oh my God, you know, the hope is that, like we said, he looked in the back seat, was like, oh my God, these kids, nope, don't want to do this. <laughs> and then he right. like, got out of that's the car, just, right? That's exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're hoping. Or he drove maybe out of town and then just left the boys there or something, right? Yeah. That's what you're hoping. So, but investigators continued to search for the boys. They began to doubt Susan's story because again. Okay, bad time. Go on. 
I'm like, because if she had just said I was carjacking the guy, took the kids, that's one thing. But she's like a black man. And again, even in South Carolina, even white people are like, now nah, a black man do not want to be seen <laughs> with a couple of white kids. Because people no. gonna ask questions. Right. <laughs> it's a little suspicious. Yeah, so, they pull them over yeah, and all that exactly. shit. Yeah. So detectives, they revealed later on that they began to doubt her story from the start and believe that she okay. had murdered the boys, but couldn't prove it. Oh. So after the boys have been missing for about two days, she and David were subjected to a polygraph test. Okay. Uh, you know, because she's on TV and crying and, and the polygraph test was uh, inconclusive. The biggest breakthrough of the case uh, was her description of the carjacking location, obviously. It sounds like these investigators and detectives actually were really good at their job because okay, they I'll smelled the bullshit right them. away. OK, yeah. good, 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 good. All right. So at this. So she claimed that she was on her way to her friend's house from Walmart and she stopped at a um, an intersection. And that's when the carjacker jumped in and took the kids and da da da. So she claimed that the traffic light had turned red, causing her to stop at, at an otherwise empty intersection. Okay. But later on during the investigation, it was determined that the light would not have turned red for her unless a vehicle was present on the intersecting road. Okay. So it's like a timer. Like, yeah, you know, no, I know. It's yeah. yeah. So this conflicted with her statement that she did not see any other cars there when the carjacking uh, took place. So when they confronted her with this information, at first she denied it. But once she realized that they suspected her and the heat was turned up, it was ratcheted up. So this happened in October. uh, According to her, the, the hijacking occurred October 25th. But the heat had gotten too hot for her. So by November 3rd, 1994 she okay. confessed to letting her car roll into the nearby john d long lake oh shit drowning her two sons one michael three years old and alex oh. 14 months still <gasps> strapped into their car seats inside oh. i'm so i hate her so much yeah oh my god now, so many people to burn in this story. Burn her. I'm sorry. Like, no, I just you so you wonder, her. like, what would make a mother do this? Right. Like, what is later on during the investigation? Many suspect that her motivation was to continue her relationship with Tom Finlay, oh, the guy who had just shit. broken up with her. Because you see, in the letter that he wrote breaking up with her, he reportedly also gave one of the reasons with that was that he did not want children. Okay. Wow. Then he's not right for you. Right. Because you, oh. you got to a little baby. So, yeah. But according to her, that's not true. She said there was no premeditation because that would say that she, she had planned this, okay. but that she had just basically snapped. She wasn't in her right mind. She just snapped in that moment. Uh, hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as you can imagine, people are horrified. Yeah. Horrified. Um, I mean, again, all the black people are like, mm, that sounds about right. Yep. Whenever <laughs> whenever they talk about a black man or a black person, mm, some something, something ain't uh, right in the Kool-Aid. So um, in 1995, uh, so she, it went to trial, of course. So at our trial in 95, David Brooke and Judy Clark served as co-counsel uh, for Smith. And in their opening statements, they argued that she was deeply troubled and experienced okay. severe depression. Okay. So Clark reportedly told the jury, quote, this is not a case about evil. This is a case about despair and sadness, end quote. Okay. I don't, yeah. yeah, I know. Listen, leave them at a fire station. I, like, I, I'm not arguing her yeah. desperate need for mental health support. I get that. But like, leave them at a fire station, abandon them like legit. It's okay. Well, and I mean, her her, now her defense goes on to say that she had actually intended to kill herself, which is why she drove to the edge of the lake. Uh But what happened? So (laughs) she was going to kill herself and the boys together. So Uh she's going to kill them all. Uh But when she... When she turned on the car, so she drove to the edge of the lake. She's going to drive in and kill them all. Okay. She, but for some reason, her body willed her out of the car. Yeah, that's because she had the ability to do so. 
Yeah, because she wasn't like, two little innocent boys strapped into that, car seats in the back. Now, the prosecution, on the other hand, believes she had murdered her boys in order to start a new life with Tom. Uh, you know, plain and simple. They're like, this ain't nothing about this ain't nothing else but that she, you know, saw a future with a new beau who was rich. Uh, and she could start her life over again. So she had to get rid of these boys. Now, the jury only took about two and a half hours to convict her of murdering them. Yeah. Uh, but they ultimately avo- voted against imposing the death penalty. Because her defense psychiatrist diagnosed her with dependent personality disorder and major depression. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that kind of sure. also, I think, white ladiness helped her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the death penalty, like as a general rule. Um, She could rot in jail forever. I'm good with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm in okay the end, that. like I said, she was convicted of two counts of murder and sentenced to life. So she was incarcerated in um, in a unit in Columbia, South Carolina. During her incarceration at the Camille Griffin Graham Correctional Institution, two correctional officers were charged after having sex with her. Oh, my God. So she was continuing to have. Now, I am hesitant to say that it was necessarily consensual because oftentimes in these power relationships, yeah. in these institutions, but it it kind of in the research I, I I found it seemed that they were leaning towards that this is uh, directly related to her dependent personality disorder. Everything you know, you've for love said and all to the me, wrong yeah, yeah, up to this point, this tracks, and also my obsession over orange is the new black. Yeah, has taught me that this is totally possible. Yeah, so. Well, after that came out, she was then moved to Leaf Correctional Institution in Green in Greenwood, where she's been ever since. Okay. So in 2000, so a little bit of the after story. In 2010, her ex-husband, David, uh, and the father of the boys told People magazine that he has never fully recovered from the pain. Quote, there's always this nagging and gnawing heartache. Yeah. It's yeah. there every day, even if I'm not always conscious of it. End quote. Like. Listen, you can't take human life. You just can't do it. But <clears throat> she she took them she took her husband's children away too. But just also like innocent but little children that you gave birth you just, to like I couldn't you know I do not I cannot mm, like again abandon them. Again, yeah. give up your rights to them. Like, you can do this without see, what you did. I mean, you're right. But then imagine if she were to do that, right? So imagine that if she were to go back to Tom and be like, you know what? Let's do this. I can give my husband sole custody of these boys. Let's just be together. Tom would then look at her like, what kind of woman would abandon her children? Does Tom, I mean, I hear that, but the alternative is, baby, my kids have been abducted. Let's do this thing. Yes, because she becomes the victim. She becomes a a victim of this horrible um, tragedy that she then he will then rush to her to comfort her or at the very least David will come back and then that'll make them closer because it's like I need someone to feel bad for me I need the attention also oh my god I know it's crazy because it doesn't uh, it's something you and I could not even fathom no. like. Yeah, this is why I'm a big proponent of birth control, because not everybody yes. should have children. No, they shouldn't all have children. If you Listen, aren't like, I really, really want a baby, you should not have a baby. No, I say that all the time. I've had people because I have children, especially when they were like really little. Mm-hmm. People would. I didn't ask. I never ask if you want children. It's none of my business, you know, Um but people would just share with me. They're like, oh, there's, you know, they're so cute. Um, I don't know if I want kids like kind of apologetic. And I'm like, oh, then don't have them. That's why. 
Yeah, I mean, because also even when you really, really want kids, it's still really, really hard. It is. It really is. Even my kid knows this. One of my kids, they're nine. He's oh, like, they know. They can pick up on it. Oh, he's yeah. like, I don't know that I want kids because I know how much work it is. And we're like, yep. Yep. I mean, but it's so rewarding. Give me grandchildren. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, I mean, like, I'll see. Now, 25 years later, because people did a whole sort of like they kept in touch with her uh, with, okay. with this case, uh, rather. In 2019, 25 years after the, this whole incident, People magazine obtained records that showed her incarceration had been marred with disciplinary infractions for self-mutilation, oh. drug use and possession of narcotics. Each infraction resulted in the loss of privileges, including loss of visitation, canteen and telephone privileges. Now, in 2015, she wrote a letter defending herself to the state, oh. the South Carolina newspaper, calling, quote, Mr. Cahill, I am not the monster society thinks I am. She wrote to reporter to the reporter. I am far from it, end quote. In uh, March of 2020, people gained access to the letters uh, that Susan Smith had written to a long distance boyfriend. Now, she's still dating. What? Who's she dating? Mm-hmm. Well, she says she wanted to marry this person when she was freed from jail. Uh, One of her uh, relatives was like, quote, she's imagining the normalcy of a married life. She wants everything in life that she believes has passed her by, end quote. So in these letters, no. Now, in these letters to this this mystery man, people that people obtain, she wrote, quote, I can't wait to build a life with you. Leave the past mistakes behind and start fresh. Just you and me, end quote. So basically what you wanted to do with Tom back in 94. No, no, no. I'm going to go with no here. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm usually very, like, empathetic and finding where people came from. But, like, lots of people come from shit. They don't become you, girl. No. Well, you know, it's one thing that if she had been, you know, locked up all this time and would have been like, I did a terrible thing. I'm yep. asking for forgiveness. She's not doing you know, that. No, it can never be. It can, it's not, it's not an unforgivable thing. I took the lives of my two children, two innocent children, uh-huh. you know, um, but I'm asking, you know, I'm, I'm slowly making my way to possibly having at least some peace with that, but, you know, asking for forgiveness. Nope. She's just like, oh, let's just put that behind me. I, I just That's can't. Just like, yeah. You see the Book of Mormon? Mm-hmm. Turn it off like yeah. light bulb. Just go switch. I mean, just switch. Just it's switch just it like off. different notes than what I just think, but that's, I mean, no, (laughs) you can't turn it off like a light bulb. No. Mm -mm. Now, so this was in March of 2020 that people uh, got access to these letters. By October 2022, that relationship had fizzled out as well. So, Mm. I mean, because you're... How's she like making friends and hanging out and dating guys? Like, how do you do that? Well, in jail. you got a lot of time to put into, you know, the exactly what you want to say. It's, it's your oh, lifeblood, yeah. you know, and like, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, you're in prison. You should live like an animal in a cage. And I'm not, no, no. you know, but it's the lack of accountability that she seems yeah, to have. That's my problem with her. Yeah. Like I, I listened to, oh, what was it on the moth.com or the moth radio hour? Mm-hmm. There's a story. It's a great story of this, um, woman who had a beautiful marriage and life and children and they, her husband passed away and da, 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 and she ended, she started writing letters to a prison. She actually started connecting with this guy and they actually like got married and he, and they, and it's actually kind of beautiful. Like, like he gets out five years into their, the relationship and he does move in and, and, but he says like, I was a dumb kid and I did dumb things. Yeah. And I, if I could take it back, I would. And I, you know, I hopefully am a better person. Da, 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 da. That's great. Rock out. I'm so happy for them. But this, yeah. mm-hmm, this is different. Especially, I have no pity for, you know, especially these these white ladies who are like, a black person did it. Yeah, you know what? Mm-mm. You know, so not only did she kill her children, she was trying to take the life of some random black man who, yeah. if, you know, investigators or officers, you know how bad her story had to be for... <laughs> white officers in South Carolina be like, oh, that sounded a little suspicious. A black man took your <laughs> kids? What? 
now, right now, as of uh, the recording of this podcast, Susan Smith will be eligible for parole in November of 2024, next year, oh. at the age of 53. Okay. So that is Susan Smith. You've heard of this story, though, right? I feel like I have. Yes. Everything you're saying sounds like familiar. All I'm thinking is like, I want to make sure she can't get pregnant again is what I want. to make Well, sure. I don't do not yeah, I don't think, think she 53 could. is going to yeah. stop that from happening. And I just I mean, listen, I understand, you know, the fallout sounds like there's some mental health issues that are going there, going on there. But many people who struggle with mental health are not killers. The problem. Yes. Here's the thing. Here's where I have twofold. I have a twofold response to that. I have empathy to the mental health needs of humans that have not like we are finally like at least having a conversation about it for maybe the first time in our humanity, but maybe not. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe we go in and out. But the point is like, yes, we are now we are having the conversation at the same time. That's going to stigmatize mm -hmm. every single person out there who has a mental health situation. And honestly, most people do. Yeah. So, you know, like, oh, well, their mental health wasn't good. Okay, well, what are you, what are you going to look at someone funny when they go get their antidepressants? Like, no, you know, like. And it's this like the, the selfishness of it. Like, you know, this actually, uh, I know we were speaking of Agatha Christie earlier, but there's actually a, um, a new, cause again, I'm going to anglophile if I haven't said that the, like the thousandth time for the thousandth time. But, uh, so I love like these, I love to see how they adapt, uh, Agatha Christie's work. And there's a new one out. Well, I think it's from 2019, I think, uh, of, and oh. then there were none. Uh, and then there were none is, and they made it into like a limited series. Sam Neill's in it. Like I need to see this now. Yeah. It's on, uh, I found it on, uh, Prime. I don't know okay. who produced it, but, uh, it's so interesting because, and then there are none for those of you who don't know, um, is credited with having introducing the idea of the final girl, uh, as a trope in horror and, and mystery. Uh. And, so it's about these people who come on this island and there's this mysterious, I forget the, the name of the people, whatever. So basically they get on this island and, uh, they are, uh, they hear this recording accusing them all of crimes and that oh, they're wow. going to kill themselves. And, and like the, the through line is this, uh, a poem, 10 little Indians, which is adapted from something a lot more problematic. Look it up. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, uh -huh. But and then it has slowly become and then there were none. So there's been different uh, versions of and then there was none with that new uh, title. So anyway, so the young woman, because there's a woman who's the lead in it and she's also the final girl. It's so interesting because it's like a similar kind of thing. She does something that's so heinous because she thinks that she's helping the man she loves. But when he when yeah, he suspects what she did he rightfully is horrified and like grossed out by her he's repulsed yeah. by her and so the fact that susan got it in her head and again if tom says i'm not interested in you because i don't want any kids it sounds like a little bit of a brush off honestly yeah i mean here's the thing it wasn't i bet you in tom's head it wasn't all that deep it was like right. okay yeah she's hot you know, yeah, I got this. Uh, yeah, she's she's a little too much. I'm not. A, I'm not that into you. And that yeah. was it. That was it. That was it. And also, if if even if he were, um, a let's say he was really into her. If he was really into her, two little adorable kids. That I mean, you got already made family, right? She's young enough; they can have their own hey. kids. This is good if he's really into her. If he's really not into her, then that's a great excuse. Like you said, he's just sort of like, yeah, yeah um, she's a bit much, but yeah, I, if it wasn't for your kids, totally, yeah, I don't really want children. And you know, it's like he just—it it sounds like he's just blowing her off, basically. He just met another girl at the bar last night. She's hot, but she's like, you can't fuck around with anyone else. And he was like, that's fine. I, I was getting sick of her anyways. That's like what happened. Okay. Or Susan is a bit much. She sounds very clingy. And listen, I mean, I'm Susan's not one of those. Probably I wanna, a bit much. Yeah. I don't want to buy into the like clingy woman kind of trope, but she sounds a bit clingy, especially if her diagnosis is to be believed. 
Um, and he, it was kind of like a convenient, like way to like blow her off and not seem like an asshole. I mean, you have to be so far gone to do what she did. Oh yeah. Like you have to be so far gone. That's why like, yes, mental health, but we can't do this to people with mental health. Like we can't like all the, I always joke that all the cool kids have mental health shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And also, we, I mean, even by no, her own she's admission, a murderer. Come on. Let's say that she, she snapped in the moment. She went into a fugue state and she was like, Oh, I have to, you know, I'm just going to end it all. And she was in the car and then she, uh, you know, she jumped out of the car at the last minute and then you save your children. Like, are you horrified? Like, do you go down there and then unbuckle them and bring them out and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I almost did this. Oh, my God. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, You save. You do what you can. You call 911. You try to resuscitate. Yeah. You throw the, yourself the, in a psychiatric unit. Yeah. And I think you know that she would have actually had more pity because she's this young. Oh, yeah. Uh, not a bad looking woman, especially if you go and see old uh, videos of her. She's a young, white, pure looking white girl from South pure. Carolina. And, you know, and she's just sort of like, and especially the acting job that she did for those nine days. Like, just yeah. bring my children back. I promise. Like, it's just like, girl, like. Mm-hmm. That's a sociopath. That's a sociopath. I mean. I'm not saying I'm listen, I'm not a allegedly, psychiatrist, allegedly psychologist. A sociopath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Allegedly. Like, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's just the the whole idea again. And then being like, it's a black man. Of course, that pisses me off because it's like, so yeah. if these had been less uh, uh, capable policemen, they would have gone out and harassed a bunch of like black men who are minding their own damn business. Listen, that is what I thought you were going for at first. And so I was like, come on, think through. But you know what? They did. Okay. Get, good job. Good job. Yep. They actually did their job. If, if law enforcement yep. did their job, because because from the get go, they were like, mm, this sounds a little fishy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After two days, if they gave them polygraph tests, this out a little fishy to them after two days. They were like, yeah, why don't you come and take these tests? Like, you, you know. know what? Exactly. Exactly. No, she can rot in alleged hell. Okay. That's what I say to this. That's what I say to this. I know. It's a terrible thing. It's so, you know, like I said, I love a murderess. I yeah. love, uh, but not one who murders children. Uh-uh. No, you know? not the children, bitch. Okay. No. Yeah. Some, you know, uh, abusive asshole. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do. I mean. <laughs> In my Larry David voice. <laughs> well, on that note, that wraps it up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Guys, remember to follow us, like us, download, share, uh, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, yes. Get the word out there. If if this is a show you think some of your friends and family and loved ones would like, copy the link and send it to them. Don't tell them about it. Just copy the link. Just send it to them. Send it to them. Also, five stars. Five stars. Yeah. If you could five just stars. quickly, like, whatever it is you listen to it, just, like, quickly, like, throw those stars on there. That would be really swell. We would yeah. like you very much. We would. And if you want to support us financially, throw us a little uh, bones, little little moolah, a little money. Uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash notorious women. That's patreon.com slash notorious women. And that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notorious women. And you can something as little as $2 a month or you can give a one-time donation uh, to help us out. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, and Miriam yes. will tell you other ways you can get in contact with us. Miriam? Yes, you can also email us at notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can also check us out on Instagram. We have a fun Instagram, uh, which is so easy. It's Notorious Women Podcast. So that's super simple. Um, you can DM us there as well. And that's all Miriam, just so you guys know. Miriam yeah. is the rock star of IG. Listen, if you want Lavetta <laughs> to show up on our Instagram and you uh, want to pressure her a little bit, like, please feel free. Don't do S- it. You know, send us 
you know, send us like, send us a thought, send us like, what, what do you want her to post? Just saying. She's so beautiful. She needs to show her face on the thing more often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of us was a model and one of us was never a model. No. That was a long time ago. Uh, oh, you still got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. I appreciate that. But on that note, guys, we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.